In this episode of Not Just a Hashtag, Nicole Escobar and mental health counselor Kristen Torres connect hope and healing from sexual abuse into everyday life. Are you ready to heal from sexual abuse but don't know where to start? Does change seem scary to you? If you were to begin the healing journey, what are some barriers that could prevent you from healing? In this episode, we look at elements of change, the stages of change, and ways to work through each of those stages so you can achieve your goal of beginning the healing journey. When it comes to healing from sexual abuse, there is no single solution that works for everyone. So do what's best for you and don't give up the fight. Hey, Kristen, how are you? No, good. (laughs) So we're back. Um, My name is Nicole Escobar. For those of you who are new, and I am here with Kristen Torres, mental health counselor and my co-host of Not Just a Hashtag. And we are here today to talk about um, what it, well, if you were with us last time, we talked about how to heal from sexual abuse. And what we had hoped that you got from that was just a foundational overview of how to heal from sexual abuse is how do you look at it? What do you do? What are some practical applications? But we didn't go too deep into it because we recognize that this is something that is not a one size fits all for every person. So we, in every episode, as we move on, we want to just explore and go a little bit deeper on how do we do that? So on this episode, we want to talk about a resistance to change And we want to talk about how do we fight that resistance. And when I was preparing for this, I was thinking about so many different times in my life, how I began something with all this excitement and zeal because I knew that I was going to change or I knew I wanted to change a certain behavior or a certain mindset or a certain, I don't even know, like a, a bad thing I had in my life. And it failed (laughs) because when I set up myself or when I I didn't have proper things in place, I didn't know what to expect. There were obstacles and barriers that I didn't necessarily plan for. And so that's the same thing when it comes to healing from sexual abuse is you may be at that point where you're like, I'm ready to do this. It may be, um, you know, you've hit rock bottom. It may be things in your life are just destroying, you know, relationships, people, jobs. I don't know. I mean, sexual abuse affects all of those things. And even if you don't realize it's happening, it may, you may have bad relationships, toxic relationships, whatever it is. So I don't know what it is that could be that barrier in your life of helping or stopping you from change, changing and healing. But what we're hoping to do in this episode is help you understand the stages of change, go over it and help you put practical application and biblical application into your life so that you can be successful. So Kristen, when we talk about a resilience to change or a resistance to change, not a resilience because resilience would mean that we were gung-ho and getting this done, but a resistance to change. What you're a counselor and you have to come up with unique ways to deal with unique situations and how different people handle different things to handle things differently. So mm-hmm. what, what is your, what do you do and how do you approach this? 
Well, yeah. And I thought this was such a good thing to talk about, especially when we're talking about the possibility of starting a healing process, you know, because um, change is scary. Change can be really scary and intimidating. Um, sometimes we don't even know we need it. So I think the first thing I would always say, again, coming from a therapist perspective, this is probably not unique, but I'm going to meet people where they are at. And sometimes people are not ready and that's okay too, because even the realization of that can be therapeutic, you right. know, of just saying like, you know what, it's not your time, like, cause you're not ready, you know, and that's when we've probably processed through and explored some things to where we've gotten to that realization. Um, so yeah, I think, and the other part too, I think is acknowledging the change is hard. Mm-hmm. Change is hard, right? It requires some amount of effort, some amount of intentionality. I tell people that a lot, especially when we're working on changing thinking or other patterns in your life that are just automatic at this point. You know, for a lot of us, a lot of what we think or what we do is just automatic. To actually make a change, it requires intentionality. You have to intentionally choose something different or intentionally pay attention to what you're thinking or what you're doing. And so it it requires effort and that takes um, energy, you know. Eventually, change can... um, settle into a new normal that actually kind of flows and you don't have to think about it as much, but for a time period, you do have to, um, you have to actually pay attention and choose differently, especially when sometimes the way in which you've been going or what you've been doing is easier. Right. So, um, does that answer the question? I feel like, okay, that was good. I, it got me thinking too, about when you say, you know, the, the barriers and the obstacles and is this really possible? Even your own self-talk could be that like, oh you're, you know, yeah. and how it can happen in a split second. Cause I was thinking about how can I reflect back on these things in my own life? Like where did that happen in my own life and what brought me to change? And the one thing was that I kept hearing in my own mind was you don't need to change. This isn't that big of a deal. And it was, or like, this doesn't affect you. And so I had to, I had to really even second guess or analyze my own thoughts, my own speech to myself. I had to ask me now, is this coming from a positive place? Is this wanting to keep me comfortable or is this wanting to help me? And what I have found was it, it wasn't wanting to, it wasn't helpful for me. That comfort zone that that wanted me to stay in, that mindset was not healthy and I had to challenge that. Yes. Because I hear from people all the time and it's like, but what happened with my sexual abuse wasn't that big of a deal. It's how, why would it be affecting me now? And that, even that is, you have to change the way you look at sexual abuse. Right. And again, that's why, and that's such a good thing to point out too. Oh my gosh. What our thinking, our thinking is tremendously impactful to Mm -hmm. our lives. It's kind of what shapes our lives in a lot of ways is how we perceive and think about things. So um, what you were saying about some of the minimization, like, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. It didn't affect me that much. That's such a normal part Mm -hmm. of the processing of sexual abuse at some point in time. For some people, we've talked about this before, for some people that's years have been spent minimizing and that's a way of coping too, because sometimes to fully acknowledge 
the largeness, the, the gravity of like what has happened or what happened to you, that's big stuff, heavy stuff, mm-hmm. be overwhelming and scary. And that's the thing too. I'm not, you know, again, as therapists, we want to honor where someone's at in their journey. And our goal is not to shove someone in to making a change or facing reality too quickly. And listen, I'm not a perfect therapist. No one is because we're, we're human, you know? So, um, there are times when I have opened those blinds too quickly for someone and the like too much light in, it may all be truth, you know, of like what has happened or what's been going on, you know, but, but we have to be careful sometimes because when someone has been living in the dark too long and that's all they know, it's not always the best thing to yank open those blinds and like, look, this is what's really going on, or this is what's been going on. Sometimes that's too much. Sometimes we have to, slowly pull those blinds open because too much light at once is overwhelming, right? What happens when you, when you've been in a dark room and then all of a sudden you go into the light, let's say back in movie theater days, right? You go, you go from a dark theater into the light. It's like, it's too much. You you cover your eyes, you put your sunglasses on or something. The similar thing happens. I think when we recognize sometimes when we recognize um, that we've been living in the dark. Yeah. That's good. And that actually brings me to my second point, which is, you know, in order to succeed at healing, and and again, when we say healing, it's not that you're ever going to come to a place of being fully healed, especially on this side of heaven. And that is not just from sexual abuse, that is from everything any addiction, any problem, like anger. It's, you're not going to be 100% not angry. It's just not possible. But what on this side of heaven, what you will be is on a journey and a, it's a daily surrendering to God of these issues and these, these things, these areas of brokenness that you need healing from. And so when we talk about change, there's three elements that I think can successfully set somebody up for change. The first one is a readiness to change. Are you really ready? We t- I mentioned before is hitting rock bottom. Like what has brought you to this point? Maybe you're fed up with your situation of looking at your life or living in shame or whatever it is. What's bringing you to the point of saying, I want to change this area. I don't want to be a victim anymore. I want to heal from sexual abuse. The second one is what are some barriers that you have in front of you? Um, I, when I think of Trees of Hope and what we offer, um, I'm just going to use this as an example. So number one is readiness to change. You may go, I'm ready to change, but I'm not ready to go into a healing group. I'm I'm only ready to start listening to this podcast, maybe go online and watch the online videos. That's totally cool. Whatever is your thing or your style or what works best for you is perfect. That just showing up is enough sometimes. And then the barriers could be, you don't live in South Florida. So then you go online. The barrier could be that you don't have a lot of time. So going to an actual group may not be good. You may you may not even be able to go online because the barrier is that you don't really, you only have an hour a day to devote to any type of extra stuff. So maybe just listening to a pot, this podcast or other podcasts is good, or maybe just reading a quick book is good. 
So it's analyzing what is going to prevent you. Then the last one is likelihood of relapse. And so when we talk about healing from sexual abuse, it may not necessarily be like a relapse, like drug or anything like that, but it's relapsing in the behaviors and mindset and self-talk and listening to false of false content in your mind, self-talk, that's not true and having to replace it with truths. So there's a lot of different things that happens here when it comes to change. And so what we just wanted to give you is just a few couple of things to think about. Is this really what you're ready for? And are you there? And to analyze that before you set out and you decide, yeah, this is what I want to do. So Kristen, out of those elements that I just mentioned, which one do you think is the hardest for somebody of who's been sexually abused to overcome as a survivor and why? Hmm. Um, I, what I would say is it's probably different for each person um, because each of them have their own challenges. Like you were saying, the readiness to change. Do we have, the, does a person have the resources and the knowledge to make a lasting change successful? Um, sometimes that is it, but here's what I would say on that. Um, nowadays, right. I mean, think about, think of how much is online. You can Google almost how to do anything, right. You can do you find a YouTube video on how to do anything. Is it good information? Is it sound? That's can be hit and miss. We all, I think we all know that hopefully at this point, but the information is there as far as, mm-hmm. you know, the, the resources are there. And of course, good solid information like um you know what is found in the trees of hope like curriculum and everything we thank god for um for like what you guys are doing and what you've done mm-hmm. and what you've done together because there you go you have that there mm-hmm. um so the resources and those things are available the barriers to change is there anything preventing you from changing i think in addition to something that you said about just logistics is how about like how much is your life dysfunctional right now? Are you in the middle of dysfunctional relationships? Are you ready to, to maybe make a choice about giving those relationships up? And that's the thing too. Sometimes like clients will naturally come and, and ask like, what should I do? They're wanting you know me to direct them in what to do. And I'll tell people, the only time I'll tell you what to do is if we're talking about a safety issue you know, then I'm going to get real bossy with you, you know, because we're talking about life or death or something that's different. But other than that, I can't like, you have to live with whatever choices you make. So this goes, whether you're in a therapeutic relationship or not, like you're the one that's going to have to make those choices. You're the one that's going to have to weigh out. Am I ready to face some of the obstacles that may be ahead? Here's the thing I would say too, we can, look at all the potential obstacles for making a change or the cost of making a change, right? The cost benefit analysis, like Mm -hmm. how much is it costing me to not change? How much will it cost me to change? Or what's the benefit of not changing? What's the benefit of changing or making the changes? But um, we're not going to be able to see all of it. There are going to be things that you cannot anticipate because you probably haven't been down the road before. That's anybody. That's anybody Mm -hmm. going on a new... adventure, so to speak, or, or a new, like the healing process. A lot of times you haven't necessarily been on a deliberate healing journey or process. So there's things you're not going to be able to see, but do you have, um, and this is probably really key. Do you have some support in place when you hit those, like, Holy cow, I didn't expect that, that pothole, 
Mm-hmm. I didn't expect that mountain that I had to climb. You know, I didn't expect to have to face that because that's absolutely going to happen. There's no way to see it all before right. you begin the journey. And then, of course, likelihood of relapse. Listen, I think honestly, that's part of it. That is part of the process of making a change is you're going to stumble back into your old ways of thinking or your old ways of living, at least for a time. But something that I think I try to really encourage people with is that, that again, that is part of the process. And that does not mean you have lost any progress along the way. It's Mm -hmm. just part of it, you know, because the difference is, you now know a different way. So if you stumble back into that old way of thinking or that negative self-talk, you also know that it can be different because you've experienced that. So you can go back over to that new road that you started to pave. Mm, That was good. That's different. Yeah, I love that. That's actually when, as you were talking, I was thinking about my own life and thinking about like, gosh, how... Like, I just want everyone to know, I know what it's like. I couldn't even imagine I 30 when I was 30, which that's eight years ago. That's when I walked through healing to have to do that all over again and to muster up the courage and to get it all trying to figure it all out and to do all of this. I would be so scared. And although I try to be tough and I try to, you know, my husband will probably tell you I'm the most wimpiest person out there. I I worry about everything and I try to analyze everything. I try to pre think through things before they even happen. And I try to always, but somehow I always end up coming to negative, like right away, I'll be like, well, that's not going to go right. And when I get there, or if I join that, and am I going to have to stand up in front of everybody? I pre and it's never what I think it's going to be. It's always way like my worst thoughts or my thoughts are always worse. But I notice that when I do have a support system or friends, and, and when I do have, when I do end up like triggers or things that make me relapse, like start believing these false narratives in my mind, start going back to old behaviors, I can go like take a deep breath and go, okay, hold on. What good is that thought? Not good. Is that helping you at all in this moment? No. Okay. So what can we do from here? We can think positive. You may go to the class and you may make a lot of friends. You may end up going and love the facilitator and you may end up wanting to become a facilitator yourself. You also may learn a lot about you, yourself, your family, the dysfunction you have, and it may make you a healthier person, right? So you could start going down this narrative and start changing the way you're looking at things. Oh, yeah. And so that is a very good point. I love that. And that should be something that is the token sentence for everybody to take away is that just because you relapse or go back to an old behavior you, if you've created new behaviors that were more positive, you know how to get back to them. Right. And that's the thing. Cause I think sometimes we end up um, when we, so to speak, relapse with those behaviors, we can just self-sabotage. Oh, look, I'm nothing. Doing it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, it's all the same. None of it. It was, it wasn't worth it, it et cetera, et cetera. All this negative. Oh, I've done that so many times. I think it's so human. You know, and even I have to tell you, Nicole, even when you were saying like, you're so wimpy. No, I think you're just so human. That's, these are the things we all do. It just sometimes looks different in everybody, but I think we've all done that self-sabotaging type thing. But I, I think it's a matter of 
we have to help snap ourselves out of it. Like, nope, that's not true. And that's why it's so you, it's so important that you have some support in place, you know, cause you need an outside person to sometimes like, wait a second. No, you yeah. changed. No, you know, there's a different way. Like I've heard you, I've seen those changes happen in you. Like how yeah. powerful is that to have someone remind you, right? Like, no, uh-uh. Yeah. We need that. We all need that. Even if you can't pay for a counselor to give you that, you need a friend like that. And and thank God, I think of all the girlfriends in my life that have been that for me. I mean, again, I've told this story before. When I came to Trees of Hope, I literally, when I got hired full time to take on the director role, I knew that I would have to public speak. So now all of a sudden I went from going through healing two years, went through, I did, did different studies, went on, went and did counseling, everything. And then now I'm all of a sudden, like, I wasn't sexually abused. I made it all up. I was like walking around telling people that. And my best friend was like, like, what are you doing? And she's like, you were sexually abused. Stop with this nonsense. And she's like, what is really going on here? And I was like, I don't want to public speak. (laughs) And she was like, you're going to find your way. Like it may not, you may flounder all over yourself in the beginning, but you're going to find your way. And I love that. I did. That's true. You're going (laughs) to find your way. What was really beautiful about that whole thing. And then we'll move on is just that I, I, her and I had a little break, I guess, from each other for the past two years. It was, we needed to both heal in different ways of different things that we felt toward each other. Hmm. And while we were away, I had accomplished so much in the way of this journey, sexual abuse. So just last weekend, I hung out with her for like the whole day. And I told her, I caught her up on everything. You know, I had told my parents about being sexually abused. They know the whole story. This is how they responded. I now public speak. I now have a podcast. I do all this stuff. And she was just like, I'm so proud of you. Like, this is so awesome. But I it felt like really good to be able. And I told her, I said, and thank God for you, because if it wasn't for you that day, your words will stick with me the rest of my life of that, of how you were like, Nicole, yes, you were. Don't do this. Be strong. Like you, it's more strength. I see more strength in you to admit that you had been sexually abused. And it was just those simple words of her saying that where I was able to flip the script on myself and stop saying, look how weak you look. If you confess that you've been sexually abused, I was like, no, remember she said, you look strong when you do that. And I just held on to that every time I got up in front of people and did it and started this podcast. And I kept saying like that fueled us, that fueled me. And so I just tell everyone that's listening and watching that that may be you. You may be that very timid, scared person right now for whatever's in front of you, the obstacles. And just know that we will look back on this in some time, even if it's six months, two months, whatever it is, two years. And we will be so proud of the person we have become, especially if you you really invest in this, in your healing. Cause you matter so much. You matter. This matters. Yep. And I'm, I'm looking forward to if, you know, email me, tell me, cause I love to share these stories with people and just to say like, look, not only look how effective we are, but 
look look how look how our family and our tribe of people that and that are that are on this journey with us are growing and are healing and are getting better. Like thank God for that. So true. That's awesome. So okay, now we are going to move into the stages of change. And well, it's called the stages of change model. Right. But I want you, Kristen, since you're the counselor, can you explain why this is important to know this information before somebody goes into, a, you know, let me change myself, my behavior? Like, why is it important to understand these levels and how they can apply it towards themselves? Well, so in the model, there are six stages of change. And I think that here's what I would say. It, I think it's helpful to know it. Um, but like anything it does, well, like anything to me, but the Bible, but the word of God, it doesn't rule over everything. Like this is helpful to understand kind of human behavior and the change process, because a lot of times I think we see it as very mysterious, Hmm. you know, as like, how do I make a change that actually lasts or that sticks? And I think, you know, the one that comes to mind so quickly, I think for so many women, at least in our society is dieting, right? Hmm. Because that's just, we can do like about 2000 podcasts on that topic, but because there's so much there, but um, point of that is, is that I think, again, a lot of people find it so mysterious, like how actually do you change? So let's go through these, these uh, yeah. six steps. So pre-contemplation, this is, um, you're thinking about it. This is actually, let me take a step back. This is before you're thinking about it. This is pre-contemplation. It's not even on your mind to make a change. So some of the things that you're going to see during this time is maybe denial or ignorance of the problem. You don't have the information on it. You don't even know it's an issue. It's not on the radar, basically. This, so this is pre-contemplation. This is before you're even contemplating. Make sense there? Yeah. Oh, so, totally. No change is coming yet because it's not even on the radar. There's no radar on the radar to make a change. So May I make a little add something here really yeah, quick is as you go through the stages, I'm going to just give you a little example of what a survivor from trees of hope either has done in each stage or myself, just so I somebody understands. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I just want you to know this was my stage that I stayed in for I was sexually abused at six for 24 years. <laughs> it is, do I deal with this? No. Do I, is it really a bother thing? No. <laughs> do I, do I need to heal from? No. And then it was like, okay, life started to get more difficult. Intimacy got difficult with people. Then it was like, do I deal with it? So as I got a little older, I started to realize how, the cost analysis, like you said, how has it affected me? And is it really bothering my life? Mm. And I could tell you when people register for trees of hope waiting list, this is that group of people. Mm. They've, they've, they thought about it. Yeah. They're thinking about it and they just want to dip, tip their toe, dip their toe in the water, but that's all where they're at. Although, okay. What I would say that's a good bridge to contemplation. I think if they're thinking about it, then we're, they're contemplating. They're okay. probably on stage two. Stage two. Okay. Actually on the radar. Cause what you were describing before was there's like in your peripheral vision, you're noticing something. 
yeah. but it's not fully on the radar yet. Okay. But contemplation, it's on the radar, but this doesn't mean you're like, let's go change. This is just suddenly or, or gradually you're starting to contemplate. So there's, you start to have ambivalence about it. Ambivalence is like you're back and forth. It's too like kind of sometimes like wide, widely varying emotions at the same time. You know, like have you ever asked yourself before, like, um, how can I love this person? And I really hate them at the same time. Yeah. Guess what? That's part of being human that exists. Yeah. Okay. You can very much dislike and really like a person or a thing yeah. or a concept or something about yourself at the same time. So yeah. contemplation is that it's now on the radar. You may not necessarily want it on the radar. Maybe some part of you is really curious of like, you've heard about healing, You've heard about other people going through this process. And so there's curiosity there, but then there's a big part of you. that's like, no way, do not, I'm not going there, you know? So that's contemplation. It's actually on the radar, but this doesn't mean you're sold out on like going anywhere with it. And right. again, it may be that you have some, a really big pull somewhere inside of you to check this out, to go further with this, but then there's another part of you that's saying no way. So you're conflicted in your emotions in the contemplation right. stage. It's on the radar, but you're conflicted. You're not okay. really sure where to go. Some things you can do during this stage is weighing out the pros and cons. You know, like again, remember I, I referred to earlier, I was saying cost benefit analysis, right? We can do that with any major decision or even small decision that we're making. That's what is the cost of staying the same what is the cost of making a change? What is the benefit of staying the same? What's the benefit of making a change? And let me tell you, I want to touch on this when I say that too. Sometimes when I ask people, what's the benefit of staying the same when they know they need to make a change in whatever area, they can't come up with it because it seems so like, how could there be any benefit? I'm like, well, let me tell you, the reason you're not, you haven't made a change is because there's some benefit you're getting from not. And maybe that benefit is it. It's a real flip though in your head, because when we think of benefit, we think of all these positive things, but sometimes the benefit is avoidance of pain, um, keeping relationships the same and not rocking the boat, not having to change my thinking. Those aren't traditional benefits, but that is, those are benefits you're getting by not making a change. Mm, mm, you see what I'm saying? Okay. We think of benefits a lot of times as only positives, and that's why you can't come up with any benefits of staying the same, you know, mm. but you got to flip it a little bit and like, wait a second, how is this serving me? What purpose is this serving in my life by not changing or mm. not going there further, so to speak, like in the healing process, right? Mm -hmm. So does that make sense? Yeah. It reminds me of um, when I, what brought me to trees of hope was I've shared this story before. My boss was sexually harassing me or my, the person that was over my organization was sexually harassing me. And I hit rock bottom in the way of like, kept felt feeling like I had done something here. Like this is me and it's my behaviors that are causing this where I was taking blame was I knew that I was leading these people on by flirting back. But meanwhile, in my heart of hearts, I was really like, oh, my God, they're so gross. But in my mind, I was like, if you just smile back, giggle back and be cute with them, they'll leave you alone. But I was really just compounding on the problem. It's like an addict, you know, who's maintaining like drug use, little sure. bits, and yeah. they're only making the problem worse. 
So this is where I started to go, okay, I heard about Trees of Hope. I've heard about it. Should I contact somebody there? That was like in my mind. And then it was like, okay, but what are the barriers? And it was, well, if I tell this person that they need to stop, then I could get fired. And then it was like, um, am I really ready to change? And then it was like, yeah, but they're the problem. I'm not the problem, right? And it was like negotiating with myself. Okay, so what's stage three? (laughs) But you got it. You nailed it, right? So much ambivalence. You're back and forth. Yeah. Confusing. It's it's but it's on the radar. Yeah, it's on the radar. So stage three is preparation. So this is where you start to experiment with small changes. You're starting to collect information about change. Like you're really taking like the next step. So that I would say even in the preparation phase. So you're really tracking where this is going in your head or what some possibilities are and so forth. So um, in this stage, you can start to write down goals. Like, you know, what would I want to get out of? Why would I do this? What, what's motivating me right now? Prepare a plan of action. Even this is where in preparation, you might even want to, and this can happen in stage two as well, which is why these are not luck hard. This is exactly what's happening at each stage. But, um, in preparation, that's where you may want to have finally have an open conversation with like that good friend or trusted person, you know, and say, kind of tell them what you're thinking about. Like, listen, I'm realizing, I think maybe I need to face this, you know, so you're preparing and that that's preparing that support, you know, hopefully that support person in your life, at least for the beginning of the journey. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's preparation. You're starting to get ready for this. You're really playing out in your mind. Like what would this look like to actually make a change or to start or to start to go down this path? Mm -hmm. Part of that also is imagining you're going to be a lot more imagining what it would be like to actually have the, um, a change, to make a change of what it would be like. And that's an important part of the process. Um, I've heard before um, kind of a quote from a, a psychiat- psychiatrist who was explaining, like, you can't change if you can't imagine the change. I've so imagining, yeah. right? Imagining is really important. So stage four is action. This is actually like you are taking direct steps toward that goal of healing or changing or something. So the action stage is really important, but so are all the other stages. It's, oh, if we back up for a minute and we go back to that pre-contemplation, all of these stages are important. You learn something from each one of them, even when you're in denial. The goal would not to be to get to the point of to look back on yourself that was in denial and say, what the heck was wrong with you? Why did it take so long? right? That's what we tend to do. Mm -hmm. That's not going to help you. There was a reason for the denial. There's a level of self-protection that was happening for you to be in denial for however long it was. That's for any of us. Um, And it is what it is. What are you going to do to go back and change that? You can't go back and change a timeline. The timeline is what it is. Right. Good point. Important thing is let's say if we're at stage four, you actually are taking action now, which is pretty cool. Sometimes you, someone steps in though, sometimes someone steps into stage four action and they realize they're not ready and they may bounce back and forth to preparation or may go a few steps back. And that's why this is not just like grief. It is not like you were entered step one, you are now on step two. It's not lockstep like that. We want to be robots sometimes because we don't want to feel, but life isn't like that. And our emotions aren't like that. So yeah, action is I'm so glad you said that because if anyone's like me and they're hearing this, they're doing exactly that. 
okay, what stage am I in? What do I go to next? How do I grow? Where do I go from here? So, um, but that's and just in regards to trees of hope, what this could be is signing up for an actual group is probably, you know, registering for that group, going online, ordering one of our books. Um, and again, I'm not saying this to just promote trees of hope. I just know that that's the resource we offer here to help you heal from sexual abuse. You could go through 10 books. You could go through, um, podcasts, not just this podcast, but other podcasts you could you could, this could be a stage where you get a counselor, a mental health counselor. I mean, whatever it is, it's whatever helps you get to your goal, whatever the goal is in your healing journey. Exactly. So during this time, like rewarding yourself for successes, like, you know, give yourself some credit for the fact that you actually signed up for a class that you actually did get a book and you started reading that you even, and and by the way, when we start reading books, especially on heavy things like healing from sexual abuse or any sort of healing, you're going to have times where you're going to want to put that book back down because it's hard and that's okay, Mm -hmm. but just take your time and pick it back up. Yep. You know? Um, and reward yourself for that, man. Like seriously, some sort of kudos, like you picked it. I picked it back up. You know what I mean? I'm doing this. So, um, seek out social support. That's another thing that's really important during the action stage to keep you. We have to have support. We can't say that enough. I don't think we can say it enough. You have to have it did. And it doesn't have to be exactly like you've been saying, Nicole, again and again, it doesn't have to be a formula. It's not just has to be a therapist, just has to be, you know, trees of hope. These are helpful things, but at the same time, everybody's going to have their journey. So just make sure that you have support, even if it's that one, you know, one or two people that you can just call and say, this is really hard. And sometimes too, that's all you need to say. This is really hard in order to keep going. Yeah. I just recently had a friend who has been working with me with some things that we offer here at Trees of Hope and they're walking through their own journey and they of healing and and through it, you know, I could tell something was up when I saw her and and she I didn't want to get I didn't want to pry cuz I could sense the heaviness and then she just was like I'm not doing good and then she started, you know, she just started t- talking about it. And I was like, she just needs a listening ear right now. That's all she needs. She, like, she just needs a friend because yeah. she, she needs to know I'm, I'm not going to stop. Like, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep doing this. And I love you and I'm here for you. And that's all you need sometimes. And maybe clarifying that with a friend, maybe calling them and saying, hey, I don't need you to solve my problems right now. I just want to tell you I need a friend right now. Yeah, just exactly. just a venting ear. I have to do a, that with my husband all the time. Like I'll st- start off with like, babe, I'm not looking for you to solve this problem. I'm actually just looking for you to listen. And it very much helps our communication so that he's not like, well, I would call her and I would. And it's like, that's not what I need right now. I just need you to listen. Yep. Yep. <laughs> girls can do that too. Trust me. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those girls. I can't help it sometimes. I'm always like trying to solve everyone's problem. <laughs> well, and I think too, um, the large majority of the time, if we're honest, we're not looking really for, for that. So you're right on. We're yeah. most of the time we do just want to vent. Yeah. You know? And so anyways, <laughs> so yeah, that's that one. So the next stage is, um, the next stage is maintenance. This is maintaining of the new behaviors. This is avoiding temptation. So it's maintenance. It's, it's, 
ongoing. It's I've already, you know, attended the group. I've read some books. I've talked to some people. I've made some changes and I, I need to keep it up. You know, this is the long road. This is the marathon, not the race, you know, and that's the really key part is that maintenance part. It's getting the, so to speak, tune-ups when you need them, you know, to say like, okay, I'm having trouble over here again. I'm thinking back, going back in this, to this same pattern again. Um, and actually stage six is relapse, you know, and maybe that is going right back into those same patterns. But like I was saying before, the big difference when we make a change though, um, is that we know something different now. So even if we relapse, go back into that old behavior, whatever it is, we do know it could, can be different. And so we can go back to that other path. So yeah. there's a huge difference there. That is, does not mean everything's been erased. Right. And I will say as somebody who, you know, I've shared this stuff with you guys, but life circumstances, when you're in the maintenance phase, different stages of life and different things that you go through COVID, for instance, that may bring you into the relapse stage where all of a sudden you, you feel like you had this stuff behind you. And like now all of a sudden you're scared, you're fearful, your life feels out of control you know, I know, I know what that feels like. I have, I, I never thought I worry. I never thought I dealt with, um, worry or nobody. I never thought I would be classified as a worry wart. And now all of a sudden I'm like worry wart woman. (laughs) And then, um, is fear, fear. I'm afraid of everything now. All of a sudden I'm like, Oh my God. Like, you know, like uh, the other day I had a headache. I was like, I have an aneurysm. I know I have an aneurysm in my brain. And I'm like, what, but why all of a sudden? And it's like, because things are heavy right now in our world and things feel, we're feeling a lot of pressure. And so it's natural for, especially a survivor of sexual abuse to go to the worst because the worst sort of happened to us. And so it is our natural mindset to go to this stage. And that's where it's important to what we talked about in the beginning, which was remember the good behaviors, remember the changed behaviors and try to get back to those in moments of temptation or trigger. Like, even if it's, you know, if one of your things may be like, um, you know, anger at, cause I know a lot of people, we talk about this in our book curriculum is anger is a huge problem for survivors and they can get, you know, overreact and underreact. And a lot of times I find people overreact. I'm there. So please, if that's you, you're not alone. And we overreact and we get angry and we get pissed or whatever. And then people are like, why are you freaking out? You know, like, whoa, chill. And then now all of a sudden you're shaming yourself because you're like, and what I have done in the past is I'll go, there you go again. You know, you're always losing it. Why can't you get it together? You know, you've been doing this for years. Like you've been on this journey for years. Right. And then I'll go, yeah, but hold on. I've been on this journey for years. I can't help it. I, I can help it, but I, I, I got triggered. Something about that triggered me. But what was it? What did that person say that made me so upset? And instead of being like on the, I don't, I, sort of like critical, I'm now like critical mm-hmm. to, yeah, I'm like curious, like, like ex, I'm, I'm exploratory of like, yep. what happened here? Yep. What set me off as opposed, and that's, I'm not perfect. I'm not, 
I'm not resolved. I'm not a hundred percent there, but I'm, I'm now in that stage of like, okay, I can figure this out. Where did this come from? I don't have to be stuck in the, you know, shaming myself like I used to and living there. So big. That's such a huge difference too, because the thing is the difference is, is that you can learn from that. You can actually learn from being curious or exploratory as opposed to being critical. When we come in basically with that mean parent with the finger out, right? Like, what did you do that for? You know, that was really stupid. Get it together. That type of thing. Like what happens to a child that has a parent like that? You become like me, (laughs) critical of everything. (laughs) Right. Okay. So you may do that or you're going to shrink up and pull away. You're Mm. not going to learn from that. Someone cannot grow underneath that type of treatment. The treatment that you do grow underneath is like, Hey, so what happened? Let's talk about it. Like what was going on for you? What were you feeling? Like if you actually parent yourself, because that's mm-hmm. what we do as adults, we parent ourselves, even though we still, you know, if we're fortunate enough to still have parents, you know, in our lives, um, we still on the day-to-day basis are parenting ourselves and our brain and our minds. Yeah. And so if we parent ourselves in a kind way and approach ourselves that way, like what was going on for me? Like, what was I feeling? What was happening? We can actually learn and grow from that. And we're not going to ex- like get into a place of shame. Yeah. But if we scold ourselves, that's when we tuck inwards and become ashamed or like you said, kind of burst out, you know, you know, get angry. Yeah. It's a big difference. And you have to, you have, trust me, you have to sometimes be your own advocate. You have to sometimes be your own encourager. And cause, cause you're in your head. Who's yeah, whose voice are you hearing most of the time? I mean, yes. And you got you, I can be my, I can totally, I could, I could be doing great. I could really, in the eyes of people, they could be like, wow, she's really growing, maturing, blah, blah, blah. blah. But in my mind, I could be like, you know, you did it again. Right. And it's like, that's where it's also healthy to find somebody that, you know, and you trust and to ask them, Hey, speak into this. Do you see me growing in this area? Maybe not in the moment of a relapse or, or a um, trigger or whatever, but in a time of, of feeling strong and healthy where you can go, Hey, have you seen growth in me? And, and the person hopefully will give you positive feedback and supportive feedback. And if you have areas of growth still that you need to do, you know, that won't be so devastating if they do encourage you, like it'll be an encouragement rather, rather than a, a, a hit to your, you know, pride or your, your character or whatever. <laughs> Well, and I think too, it's so important how we handle those relapse moments, that stage six of change, how we handle those relapses are, (laughs) excuse me, so important. What we're telling ourselves about that time period, how we're talking to ourselves is imperative because what can happen is if we're not kind and compassionate toward ourselves during those times, that's when it's like, that's when we will say, screw it. Nothing ever changed. I'm over this. And how many times have either you, any of us, I'm saying done this, or you've seen someone else do this and you're like, Oh man, like, why do they give that all up? They were working so hard on it. And that's the thing. Relapse is part of the process. You can during that time feel disappointed or frustrated or feel like a failure, but no, it's Mm -hmm. part of that process. And a lot of times they'll say that in, in um, like addictions recovery, that relapse is part of sobriety. 
you know, it's, it's to be expected to some degree. And, and that's hard to hear, you know, because relapses can be really messy. And especially if we're, you know, it depends on what we're talking about, but they can be real messy. Yeah. yeah. But um, the faster though, that you can just acknowledge, all right, I fell, I got into that pothole. Like, what do I need to do to get myself out? It's okay. I've got to keep on the road because I am telling you that is a much better option than throwing it all out. Totally. I not one moment of what the journey has been with relapses, with taking 10 steps forward and taking 20 back, 30 back, whatever, would I ever say I, it was not worth it. I don't want to do it. It just, it just is not, it's, I'm better for it. I'm, I'm a better human. I'm a better worker. I'm a better wife. I'm a better family member to, you know, the world. And, and that's why we want to heal is that our time here is short and why not make the most of our lives? I don't want you to be living in chains because that's what this is, is it's chains it's, it's not setting you free. And if you are in Christ, this is such a cliche statement, but it's so true. You're free. You're free indeed. And it's something that I always, whenever I start to lose it, like go nuts in my mind and I'm like out of control. I'm like, dude, you're free though. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Relax. And then it's like, okay, that's right. I'm free. I don't need to be held down by this anymore and burdened by this. Yeah. And I mean, I hope that, you know, these changes, like we said, this isn't a formula necessarily. This is just, I love that you said that. It's like sometimes these things that come to our, when it comes to like our mind and how things apply, like with our emotions and our feelings, we, it's a mystery. So when we have these steps, it gives us more direction of like, okay, I see how this is working. Even if you are, um, you, you may be in all of the steps at one time, like just like the grieving process, right? Like you could be in all of them. Um, so what are some, what are some for this last one, which is relapse? Um, what are some things that somebody can do if they need, if they are in that place and they, obviously they don't want to give up, but like, where can they begin again? Like, what would we recommend for them? I would say it's so important. You're thinking you, it's so important. You're thinking and what you're telling yourself during that time. So, and my, my reason, my point of saying that is just, what would I say? The Bible talks about, um, taking your thoughts captive, right? I looked, did a word study about the original language of, of, and the um, tone of that whole passage. And I think sometimes we're so casual about taking our thoughts captive. And we almost think about it like this little like bow that you'd put on a gift. Oh, this nice little string bow and just like take our thoughts captive yeah. and put them to the side. Yeah. But the tone of that passage is they were saying the tone and the language is like military Mm. taking these thoughts captive by the neck and getting them out of the camp. And these are any thoughts that are contrary to the word of God or to like what he um, instructs us to do. So if we think of it that way, if we want to have lasting change during times of real discouragement and like, I screwed this thing up. 
We have to take all of the negativity captive because that is not coming from anything God has said. He never says that we are too far from him. Where can we go to hide from him, right? We can't get away from him. It says that in the Psalms. It talks about mm-hmm. nothing can separate us from the love of God. That is the ultimate hope to me, that there's nothing that we can do that can separate us from the love of God. So regardless of how bad this relapse looked in whatever that is for your life, mm-hmm. um, you're never too far from him. So I think in reminding yourself of those truths are so important to continue so you can make that shift back to the other road like okay I again I tripped I fell I got into this or I deliberately did this because this is what I wanted to do at this moment you know right Right? Right. let's just be honest that sometimes it's exactly that so I know a different way and it's reminding yourself because that's a muscle you started to flex you know that different way so Mm -hmm. now it's a matter of like okay so what was I doing before okay I was calling someone when I needed to talk. I wasn't just isolating myself. I need mm. to call someone. Right. You go back to basics. That's mm. what you, you go back to basics. I talk to people about the same thing in their relationship with the Lord. When it's all like, I don't know what to do. And all I'm trying to do a bunch of rules and be a good Christian, which I can't stand that terminology because there's no such thing anyways. <laughs> Jesus was good. We're not, it's not going to work. The only reason we do anything good or have something good to give is because the Lord working in us. Mm. So it's going back to basics. What am I doing? If, you know, if it's praying, go back to praying, you know, go back to confessing, like this was so hard. I really screwed this up and I'm so torn and I'm conflicted and I'm afraid. And I'm, I'm every, all these things, you know, because God is not afraid of us being honest with him. So he can handle all the mess. Right. Go back to social supports, go back to basics, go back to praying, go back to get in that group again, the healing group. You're like, I've already been through it once. It's okay. You may need to go through it again. Mm-hmm. You may need to pick up that book again, you mm-hmm. know, whatever it is, you've been down that path, go back to the basics of what was working before. Because a lot of times too, again, in these trip ups, we can think, oh, I must need to find a better way, a new way. Yeah. No. A lot of times, if that other way was working, go back to that same way. Just go back to basics. We get ourselves distracted with the new way, the better way sometimes. And that's where it gets more complicated because you're going to set yourself up for more frustration as opposed to just going back to like, okay, oh yeah, I'm not even doing the basic things that I was doing before. I'm going to go back to that. I love that. That's really, really good. And I think that's a really good place for people to you know, find hope and find what, where do you go from here? You know, if, if your life is out of control, if you find yourself here because you need hope, you need help, you don't know where to go. I've been there. I know. And as you were talking, I, I remember all the basic things I went back to and simple things, writing in my journal, listening to worship, turning off the noise around me. It feels so like, you know, but what else can I do? What? No, those are small things really do a lot. Um, and you got to figure out for you, what is your baseline? Like, what is your basic thing that you do that you can do? And I hope one of them is turning on this podcast and I, (laughs) I do. Um, but if it's not find your thing and, um, you know, I really hope that this episode helps you, that it clarifies things for you. 
And what we're going to do is next month, we are going to just keep expounding on this topic. Uh, Next month, what we're going to look at is the stages of healing and how those apply. And there's a lot of different stages and we wanted to break them down a little bit more, give you some examples, talk a little bit more clearly from a, a counselor's viewpoint on how to speak into someone's life with these specific stages. So, oh, also, I just wanted to end with um, some of you may be listening for a long time and notice that we have different schedules. I tried to put it on our bio that moving forward, our new um, time frame that we're going to be doing our podcasts that are they're going to be coming out is the first Thursday of every month. Um, this just works better for our schedule and everyone. So I hope that if you like this episode, please share it with somebody. Please let them know, hey, check this out. Um, give us a review. Let us know what you think. Um, and if you want to contact any one of us, please feel free to email me or email us at podcast at treesofhope.org. I thank you so much for being here with me. I always enjoy our conversations. I learn so much. Um, and I just am so appreciative of you. So I'll see you next time on podcast. (laughs) Sounds good. Bye everyone. Bye everyone. Bye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or you've had one before, you know how scary it can be to start a podcast. Having the right software, the technology, and knowing how to edit each episode can be daunting. That is why I am so excited about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to get started with a podcast. They eliminate all the barriers and obstacles. Here are a few reasons why I love Anchor so much. First, it's free. I don't know how they have such a great platform and don't charge a single dime, but check it out. I'm super happy about it. The platform is awesome. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor then will distribute your podcast to all the major channels like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. We started this podcast two years ago, and I can't even begin to express how easy it was. You can make money from your podcast too, and you don't need to have a certain amount of listeners. Bottom line is you build your show and then you make money. How cool is that? It's everything you need to make a podcast and Anchor is committed to the success of its content creators. So go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.